Now this is Hollywood Unlocked. Yo, it's Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored. I'm Jason Lee. Hey, it's DJ Damage. Let's get the show started. All right. Melissa Ford is still out taking care of personal business, so we send yes. our love to her. Um, listen, if you're listening to this show right now on um, iTunes, we love you for that, but make sure you're also streaming on iHeart, Google Play, Spotify, and you're watching the show over at YouTube. Yes. Um, the show's also going to Facebook, so if you're not following Hollywood Unlocked on Facebook, here's the link below, so make sure you hey. do that. Um, and uh, I don't think you can watch this on LinkedIn or Pinterest or anything else. So yeah. I've told you everywhere to go watch the show. Uh, we thank you for coming back. I know a lot of people have been in my comments about why have you been gone? Why have you been why have you been gone? And me and Damage decided to take a couple weeks off. Uh, I took some time off for personal reasons mm -hmm. um, that I'll get into on our next show. But I, I wanted to take some personal time off. And Damage left and went to the fucking islands. I needed a vacation. I needed some mental release because this I, COVID shutdown out here in L.A., different. I was living vicariously through your, uh, well, you know, you're really good at creating social media content and really good at just creating content in general. But you you should talk to them about doing some tourism content because the shit make me want to go to St. Croix. I never even heard of no St. Croix. Look, Blavity, I was trying to hit y'all up. I'm ready. I'm ready right now. Even with the COVID, I'll, I'll risk it to go check out. That was the first time I've ever been to an island. Shout out to St. Croix. I've, ne I've never been to an island. Never. You've never been to an island? Yes, you never. have. No, I have not. I've never been, I, to the never been to the Bahamas. I've never been to St. Lucia, St. Thomas, Barbados. I've never, Curacao, none of that. So we were on the same path. And I was like, my first time, I went to Miami to go see my mom. And then St. Croix is only two and a half hours away. I said, I got to jump at it. Yeah, but I love the fact that, see, this is what I, I really love. And you said Blavity. Blavity has a company called Travel, Travel Noir. Yeah. And it's about black people traveling. And I feel like we got to get out of our communities and we got to get out more um, to see the world because it just opens up something within us that, you know, we don't even know that it exists because we're it's special, you know, creatures of habit or creatures of our neighborhoods. And I just feel like, you know, traveling has been a blessing for me. And I, I looked at you traveling. I'm like, you know what? I want to go somewhere. So I'm, I'm thinking of an island for my birthday next month. All right. So which island are you thinking? I'm thinking St. Thomas. Virgin I'm, Islands. Come on, baby. I'm thinking St. Thomas. Yeah. You know, since uh, this coronavirus, I'm a born again virgin. At this point, <laughs> I don't even know what human intimacy feels like. I got a hug the other day and I felt the same way I felt when my <laughs> mother special? when my mother handed me to the foster care agent that took me away. I Wait, felt like, what? you know, like, you know, and when you get that embrace during a visit, you know, when your parents have discarded you to the world and then now they come to visit you. I felt that type of that type of connection again. And I just know that like the human body needs to have affection. Yeah, we it's have not, to. It's not even about sex. And I'm on this whole thing where I, I'm going to save it for the next show, but I'm on this whole thing of self-discovery now. I mean, people that have been watching the show, you've listened to me talk at nauseum about my love life and the lack thereof, my friendships, my <laughs> personal growth, my challenges. And now I'm literally doing the work and it's kind of scary because I find myself getting overly emotional at times. See? And, uh, up. and I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be that overly emotional guy that's crying all the time. I did an Instagram live the other day and, 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 and felt myself crying and was getting ready to start crying. And it was because I was reading in the comments that people were saying he's getting ready to cry. I'm like, wait, what the hell? You guys are bringing on this softy in me, you know, but don't don't get it twisted. You know, <laughs> like Rihanna, there's a savage that lies within me. But still, you know, I'm, but on, sometimes I'm on the path. Jason, sometimes I feel like the lack of emotion means you're more, more emotional. 
I feel like people that are so closed off and can't express how they feel, they're probably going through more than somebody that could just let it out and keep it moving. You know what I'm saying? So you're definitely at a point where you could just be emotional like that and get it all out. There's definitely some growth in that. But I see that like right now, and again, without getting too heavy into it, whoever's listening, wherever you are, you're either sitting in your car, you're either at the job that you hate or love, you're either sitting at home and have lost everything, or you have people dying around you. I feel like the, we are in the middle of a spiritual warfare. Yeah. Like I really feel like there is a spiritual warfare happening where people are being brought down to their knees. And I'm an, I am an energy person, so I absorb all the stuff that I see online or read or feel or whatever. And even with the team, you know, that posts on social media, they're constantly posting the most negative stuff that yeah. we see happening. And so I just have been like really overwhelmed with blessing and just overwhelmed with um, all of the emotions around the concept of self-love um, mm -hmm. has really been having me thinking, but I, but I, I, I'm thankful to God for being able to have a present mind. Um, and, and also if you could just bear with me, I want to address something really quick because I spill everybody else's tea. So I need to spill my own this past weekend. Um, I went viral, you know, uh, because of some tweets that popped up from 2010. I don't know. Did you see the tweets? You know, I got tagged in every post about it. So I have to say that in my mind, so let me set it up, right? Um, when Twitter first came out, mm -hmm. I used it as a way of saying whatever the fuck I was actually literally thinking at the time, feeling every emotion, every relationship, every breakdown of a relationship, every funny joke that may not have been so funny. Um, I mean, it literally was... I mean, I posted 83,500 something tweets in a matter of whatever those years were, because that's all mm -hmm. I used to do. I used to tweet. And uh, so some tweets resurfaced this past weekend um, from 2010, where me and Claudia Jordan, who's been on the show several times, she and I used to have a really close relationship. And I used to tweet her the craziest things and just tweet whatever. And I talked about, and on this show, I've talked about in the past being attracted to light skinned guys. And, I, you know, when this show first started, we were reckless here, too, where I would say, oh, yeah, I'm like a light skinned guy with tattoos, this, this and that, whatever. And that's what I dated at the time. That has changed and morphed into just kind of dating whatever feels right at this point. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about. And even when fans would say he's a colorist, he's he's this or that. Uh, I never thought of myself as a colorist. I, I never thought of myself as somebody who added to the colorism problem. By saying I'm attracted to, because I do feel like we all have the right to be attracted to what we want. Mm -hmm. But I also now get it. When you have a platform and you say the words light skin or dark skin in the context of what you prefer, it adds to the problem that we suffer with respect to colorism. So I'm going to put up all these tweets that I said here so you can see them. Uh, I am, of course, embarrassed by them. And, now, but 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 I want to say that I'm doing this because I don't want to. The first initial thought was I'm not addressing some shit from 10 years ago. Then I thought about Kevin Hart and how I drug his ass mm -hmm. for the shit he said years ago. And I'm like, if I could drag him, I can be drugged myself. And I appreciate that the fans are holding me accountable, even though like. You know, me saying stuff like go going to a black club, don't want to get shot. Now, all of us that have been to black clubs, we all know in the hoods what happens. There's a shootout at the end of the club for the most part. 
When I was in Chicago, Cardi posted a video of me in Chicago. Here it is right here, where I was literally ready to go because the shit felt unsafe than a motherfucker. Now it happened to be a black club. I even posted something where I said, found me a white club with black music. This is great. I was posting the dumbest, most reckless shit. And if you've been a fan of Jason Lee and Hollywood Unlocked since day one, you have heard me talk about the Twitter days. So you already know it was reckless. You just are now seeing it. But I did feel a sense of uh, needing to own it and, yeah. and, 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 and apologize to those who've been affected by it because clearly they were dumbass tweets. Um, and clearly I've had to do a whole self-examination of myself with respect to colorism because I never felt like I was a colorist. But then I read it. I was like, well, shit, am I, was I a colorist? I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> what, were you joking? And no, like, you know, we never know the nuance of Twitter, especially that long ago, because when I seen it, I looked at the date first and I'm like, all right, this is almost 10 years ago. Is this a joke? Is it like an inside joke? that maybe you have going on that's out loud to the public. Yeah, so like when I first got invited to the BET Hip Hop Awards, I was like, shit, that ain't nothing but the BET Awards, but hella ghetto. That's something I would say. It's something I would still say today because it's true. You know, <laughs> it's fucking true. But when you, but but what they did was they did take a lot of bad joke, joking tweets and some of it just wasn't funny. Maybe they were bad jokes or rants. It wasn't like mm. I was literally saying, I don't like black clubs because black people are disgusting. I'm saying like, I don't like to go to nigga clubs because that's where you get killed. And that's true. Every club that I've been to, even in Hollywood, where it's been an all black environment hmm. has not been the safest, whether it be supper club, playhouse. Um, and you could go back and look at all the stories right now. I, we could say that it's maybe it's not because it's a, it's our, our club, but sometimes we go out and we don't know how to act. Now I, I feel a part of the black community to the extent that I can say what I feel in our community. And sometimes we don't want to hear what uh, some of our issues are or whatever, but yeah, I think there were a lot of bad jokes or kind of stupid things that I said that were kind of lumped together. And either way, like I'm, I'm going to own it because in reading them at face value, they just sound stupid as fuck, you know? And I can't say that was young Jason. Cause that was 32 year old Jason. That was, that was 32 year old alcoholic. Don't give a fuck tweeted, whatever he thought, uh, didn't care funny or not hurtful or not. Uh, and I think I said something like Beverly Hills, white people. This is a vibe again, funny, but do I hang with a bunch of white people in Beverly Hills? No. Have I ever hung with a bunch of white people in Beverly Hills? No, but it was just dumb ass shit. And I could see to those who, uh, have been victims of colorism or who have been affected by colorism, how it could be a sensitive thing and how some of the stuff I've said since then could be lumped in with that and look like, oh yeah, he's mm -hmm. a fucking colorist. You know, if I say somebody's ugly, it ain't because they're black, it's just because they fucking ugly. And I'm gonna still say that they're ugly, but you can't take a tweet from 2010 and say, that's why he said so and so was ugly. I ain't gonna open those can of worms up again. I'm just saying. Please don't. But yeah, it was interesting to see, like I said, a lot of people tagged me in it and they're like, Damage, how could you stand by a guy that says this? And I read him and I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is kind of bad. And, you know, I, I'm super pro black, blacked out, black as fuck. But for me, that I think a lot of people don't get is. I'm not excusing anything you said. You apologize for what you said. You own up to it. You know, that's your journey. Um, I did look at it and feel like maybe these are jokes. I don't know. So I'm not excusing or whatever, but you apologize. You owned up to that. But for me. What makes a person is when I met you, 
the things you say and stand for and the actions you put behind them is more important to me than anything. When yeah. We're talking about everything that's going on today and everything we've been using our platform for since I've been on this show, especially these past few months. That's the person I know. That's the person I stand on. The things you do behind the scenes for voting, that's the stuff I look at. And for me, it's hard for me to make a, a comment or, you know, damage, how could you for something 10 years ago? I didn't know you 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. This is the Jason I know now. And well, and, 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 I know. And, uh, <laughs> all fairness, I don't think I knew him either. Um, <laughs> that, that motherfucker was a straight psychopath. And I think and I think the thing that what I really appreciate about our relationship is that you, you have a different vantage point because you actually know me and you know my heart. And I think that even with that, though, what I've learned in the lesson is, is that you can still be hurtful, even if you really don't believe in what the definition of colorism is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do I believe that people who are lighter or darker should make, do I think the people that are darker should make less money than light people? No. Do I think that light people, dark, this should never even be a competition between light or dark. I think that like there are black men who love to date white women mm-hmm. um, and that's their thing. They just date white women or Asian women. Um, that doesn't mean that they don't like black women or don't respect black women or think black women are ghetto. There may be some that do that, but that's that's not always necessarily colorism. And I feel like we just live in an ultra sensitive world right now where, you know, yeah, those were to answer your point. Those were bad jokes. Those weren't like me riding around trying to stay away from black people, spraying my black people repellent. Um, You know, that wasn't that. It was just stupid as drunk as Jason on Twitter. But nonetheless, they've surfaced and they've created a conversation. I've always said I want to have a conversation on colorism in general that's that's wrapped in, you know, a a real creative environment. So that way it's balanced and Mm-hmm. We can get through some real uh, tough conversation, but I didn't want to run from it. Didn't want to dodge from it. I know you saw it. My whole team saw it. Uh, and, and, and they just kept coming and coming and coming. And I'm like, damn, they really went and found these tweets. But nonetheless, you know, I, I apologize to anybody that was affected by them. And I'm not one to apologize, just so you know, uh, unless I really feel like it was necessary. So there you go. Well, yeah, and, and I think the beauty of all of this is whoever that person was 10 years ago, because it was a very long time ago, you have a platform that you own and you curate now, and you you have the opportunity to change those narratives for everybody, not just for how people think about you, for everybody out there that might be a colorist or might have some kind of prejudiced way of thinking. You do have a platform where you can give opportunities to people and you have give opportunities to people and that's the stuff I look at. Well, and like Amanda Seals said, we're all still having our eruptions of consciousness, right? Here I am thinking I'm pro-black. I don't feel like I need to say it all the time. I don't mm-hmm. need I don't need to watch every single word that I ever say because everybody knows I'm a personality. My my online personality is different than my at-home personality. But you know, but I also now am understanding the gravity of the platform that I've created and that has been supported and created by Black people who support my platform. This is a platform that caters to people of color, all colors, right? And so I, I want to be very uh, mindful of that. And and um, and now also bringing from the back to the forefront of what I am doing behind the scenes, make it in the scene, not behind the scenes. Yeah. Be more, be more present and more public with my advocacy and the work that I'm doing to become a better person as a contributor to our culture 
and to the, you know, to the stuff that we're trying to work through. And again, hey, I'm not perfect. I just want to be very fucking clear. I'm going to make more fucking mistakes. I doubt that I'll be making these type of mistakes. But hey, if I do, I'm human. And I, but I appreciate that the audience holds me accountable. Damage, I appreciate that, you know, you you ask me the questions uh, in a way that I feel safe enough to answer to them. And and I feel like I can lean on you and learn a lot from you. And I've and I've and I've said to you privately, like what I love about what you bring to the show is your pride in blackness, your uh, your representation of a black father um, and how you carry yourself and what you stand for and those values um, you know, will make me and the show a better person. And so, uh, you know, it's a conversation that I've wanted to just kind of throw out there. I didn't want to, I didn't want to dodge it or uh, mm-hmm. hide from it because this whole brand has been built on transparency. And so there are going to be people that don't forgive me and say, fuck you and your Twitter because they live in a glass house. That's perfect. Um, and then there's people that are gonna, that everyday people that fuck up all the time. Like, yeah, nigga, you fucked up and I fucked up and we going to fuck up and let's keep it moving. We got you. Because there's more other shit going on in the world that we need to get into. But And like we said, like there's stuff for me, for me personally, I can't speak for everybody else. The stuff I see you do, the stuff that you want to do, the things you are doing for the community, to me, means more. Just for me. Yeah. Not excusing anything, but the person I know, the things that you do, the ideas you come up with for the community that you don't have to do, quite honestly, that's the person I judge you on. Mm. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Well, everybody has their meltdown at some point in life. Uh, transitioning right over to a current meltdown, we're all oh, watching. God. We're all watching our brother Kanye West having a meltdown. It's very public on Instagram. I mean, on Twitter. And, and if you've been living under a rock and haven't seen any video on Instagram or haven't been following Hollywood Unlocked, I want to kind of break down some of what's been happening. So Kanye, he told mm-hmm. us last year that he was going to be running for president in 2020, and everybody thought he was being funny. Some of us that know him from a distance or that know people around him or that have seen him and have listened to actually what he's actually said, we yeah. thought maybe he was having a manic episode where maybe some of his uh, mental cha- mental health challenges was getting the best of him and him saying this. Well, anyway, now he's um, entered the conversation of running for president in 2020, and he's asking all, pe- all people, Black and others, to vote for him to be the president and leader of the free world. Um, he's announced that he was listing as the birthday party, which is a party that doesn't currently exist. And that uh, he's he said that he, you know, all of these things then culminated into what looked like a downward spiral. Spiral. Yeah. I don't know. Damage. If you saw, he did a rally recently I've where he sh- shaved the numbers twenty twenty in his head and went on a rant. He had a bulletproof vest on that said the word mm-hmm. security on it. Um, I guess that might be a new Yeezy product dropping soon most likely he talked he talked uh in front of a group full of what looked to be mostly white people there were some people of color there but he went on saying things and we're actually going to drop some of the videos here just so you can look at it but he said this about terry uh, he said this about harriet tubman well harriet tubman never actually freed the slaves she just had the slaves go work for all the white people so there's that what'd you think of that you know what in all all your pro-blackness when you saw that he said, Harriet, freed the people to go work for white people. What did you think? I, I just feel like after he said slavery was a choice, to me, I feel like, yes, I do understand he has mental disabilities or whatever, but I also think he realized when I just say random, incorrect shit, I get all this attention and then I can push the narrative wherever I want to push it. And to that, when I heard him in this rant, he kind of just said the shit out of nowhere. 
Like, no one brought up Harriet Tubman. It just came out of nowhere. It's like, Kanye, where the fuck did that come from? And you know that's not true. First of all, when Harriet Tubman freed the slaves, there was no black-owned businesses because they were fucking slaves. But they were working as free people. They weren't working for free. You know what I'm saying? If you were freed as a person, you go work for white people. Doesn't mean, oh, she freed the slaves. It's just like, it's such, you're skewing the facts. And it's just, it's very disappointing that somebody that we used to revere as somebody that talked about the culture that stood up for black people at one time and his music, he was definitely a vessel for black rights and everything. He would, he would, he would push the envelope for black people. You know, even when he had the, uh, the song New Slaves and um, all types of music. So to hear Kanye just spew this bullshit out, to me, it's like, I think he's doing this consciously. I don't think he's that irate. I think he finds a moment in himself to go, I'm going to say something so outrageous out of nowhere. This is going to be the clip. And then I'm going to skew the audience wherever I want him to go. Because it came out of nowhere. And I do feel like he knew he was going to say that. He's like, I have this weird talking point. I'm going to hit him with that. Now, I will say the the first time that I actually was in his environment, in his world, up close and personal, uh, I talked very briefly about the day that I took Cardi over to the Kardashians' house. Mm-hmm. What I never shared was a private part of the private conversation that was happening that I'm going to tell you today that helped me see how he sees the world. So he says to Cardi, please. So him and Cardi are talking. It. Him and Cardi are talking about social media and how social media is overwhelming and how people just it's a just overwhelming thing you know cardi was new to fame at the time mm-hmm. and they were talking about just the social media and he says to her you know cardi you're my hero and she says what do you mean and he says you are free to say whatever you want you say whatever you want and people connect with what you say and and, and you inspire people to be free and to speak freely. And I look at you and I as the same person. And I'm sitting next to Cardi like, oh, I don't know. I don't know where this is about to go. <laughs> you know, because Cardi is very much pro. I mean, she's very much left in terms of her view on uh, minorities, women's mm-hmm. rights, minority rights, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, all the things related to. Uh, you know, people who are suppressed people or suppressed groups having the ability to overcome that suppression, whatever. So Cardi was like, what do you mean? And he says, me, you and Trump are very similar. We say whatever the fuck we want. And Cardi said, nah, my nigga, you support a man who supports putting kids in cages. And that to me is very different than how I see it. And so she like immediately like stood up for Mm. herself but i was i was proud of that because you know it, it it helped to create an environment for us to continue a dialogue where i was able to see that he really does not see the impact of his views and words on the world because he's in his own mind in his own head and i will tell you there was a david letterman interview that he did on netflix where he looked at and gave a picture into how he sees the world and how he reacts when he's having an episode of bipolar disorder. Mm-hmm. And so part of me is frustrated, you know, when the whole slavery is not real or Harriet Tubman, whatever. But I also want to have empathy for him too, because as a black man who has my own mental health issues and, you know, having talked to Charlemagne and other people who've been starting to advocate for black people working through their shit, 
We are the race that is the fastest to want to destroy each other when we say shit that's wrong. And I'm not even. I don't feel like that when it comes to Kanye, though. I feel like we. I feel like black people have pushed his bullshit aside time and time again. Like every time he says some wild, dumb self. And what what this is is very self-serving. Everything he does, for the most part, is very self-serving. I don't remember the last time we've seen Kanye do something for the betterment of the people. Actually, I'm lying because I believe he did give some money to George Floyd's. That was great. But and he marched and he marched recently in the Black Lives Matter movement. But maybe he hasn't done enough. But that's the same argument. It's not even about doing enough. It's like Kanye. You know your voice is powerful. You're an artist first. Before you were a creative with clothes, your voice is powerful. And every time you get a platform, it seems like you say some of the most destructive shit possible, and you say it out of nowhere. That Harriet Tubman shit came out of. It's not like it was a debate about Harriet Tubman, and he was like, "Well, actually." He just was talking, talking, and Harriet Tubman didn't free slaves. She made him wait for other. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right, but but the point that I'm making is not that I'm 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 not at all condoning what he said. I don't in think fact, you are. Yeah, in fact, everything that he said was crazy as fuck. <laughs> um, it was crazy as fuck. But bipolar disorder, right? Like, I will yeah. give you an example. The night my brother got murdered, I wrote this in my book. I'm gonna do an Instagram post where I actually read the passage and talk about this. I get home from the hospital. I just saw my brother's brains blown out. I'm in an emotional rage, sadness, suicidal, whatever. I was only 19 years old. I walk in my mother's house. She turns the light on and she says, what the fuck are you coming home so late for? I was like, not tonight. And she says to me, what do you mean not tonight? What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you crying? I said, Rodney just got killed. And she said, they should have killed your black ass. Now, people that read my book said, damn, that was so mean or that was so sad or that was I can't believe she said that. And they vilified my mother, but they didn't understand my mother was bipolar. My mother had her own psychological stuff. So at the time, I didn't understand it. At the time, I hated her. At the time, I didn't love her. And at the time, I was enraged and angry with her. But guess what? I didn't understand bipolar disorder. I didn't understand it. So for me, I don't want to make all of this a condemnation on who Kanye West is as an artist to me. However, I'm also not living my entire daily life invested in what the fuck a celebrity is doing outside of, outside of my work. Kanye West will never get my vote for president. Mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck what, what, what Kim Kardashian is, is wearing. They don't impact what I Wear and do. Side note, I've seen Kim Kardashian wear the same jacket like three times in a row, like in three different weeks. So she's a regular motherfucker, too. But at the end of the day, these people don't have the type of influence over me that they seemingly have over people on the Internet who are so focused on wanting to condemn him. Now, Now, do you think, Damage, though, that we should be condemning him? Or condemning what he says and does, but still supporting and embracing him as a black man. I think we got to stop giving him this spotlight. You know, like how, how um, can you? The and, but way. look, Kim put out a, a letter, and I, I will have to summarize it. But long story short, she's saying if if you know anybody that's dealing with somebody who has a mental health issue, when they're not a minor, there's not much you can do. You can't control a man that has a mental health issue and billions of dollars. How can you control Kanye? But to some degree. We have to put a stop to this. Like it's like we we I don't know, man. Like we can't be so invested in the things he says at all. 
And I agree. It's, I can't. I can't expect the Kardashians to police him and lock him up in a closet somewhere because it's impossible. But that's the other thing, right? So now there's this whole conversation online. There was a Real Housewives of Potomac. Uh, I don't know her name because I don't watch that show. The ratings aren't high enough. But anyway, she did have a lot of poignant things to say. When you are a wife to a man, or you are a husband to a woman, or in my case, if you got a nigga that you love and it loves you back. <laughs> <laughs> it is your job to go and get them when they are losing it, when they are having a, cause you are a partnership, right? So you do want to make sure you support your partner. They did this whole online kill the mm -hmm. Kardashians, kill Kim Kardashian for not going to get her man. Then Kanye tweets that she was on her way with a doctor to lock him up, to get him help. They tore her apart for that. The problem is, is that she can't. No, understand. She cannot win in this situation. There's she nothing win. she can do. She can't win. And I'm gonna say this to all of you women out there: white, black, Asian, Latino, and I don't give a fuck what color you are. So this ain't colorist. This is just to anything with a pussy. You all are the most destructive people to yourselves. You guys sit back and talk about how men don't respect you, how men don't do this and that, the man, the man, the man. But the minute that a man is having a problem, you you straight to attack the woman because of her past indiscretions or because of who she is or because of what she has. So I want all women to start doing more self-reflection on how you all are so hard and critical. There's a point, and I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this, damage. No, I hear you. This was not the only rant that he did about Miss Harriet. He also involuntarily shared that Kim Kardashian was considered having a, an abortion uh. with their daughter, Northwest. And I'm going to let you just see the clip for yourself. Check it out. She said she was pregnant. And for one month and two months and three months, we talked about her not having this child. She had the pills in her hand. Do people know these pills? Or you take the pills, and if you take it, it's a wrap. The baby's gone. So I was sitting up in Paris, and I had my leather pants on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know, if you got leather pants on, you already know who this person must think they are. Right? Awesome. And I'm in the apartment where my wife was actually robbed. And I have my laptop up, and I've got all of my creative ideas. I got my shoes, I got my next album cover, I got communities, I got clothes, I got all this. And the screen went black and white. And God said, if you f my vision, I'm gonna f with yours. And I called my wife. And she said, we're gonna have this baby. I said, we're gonna have this child. I know people that are 50 years old that didn't have the children, that didn't have that child that have never got to experience the, le the level of joy that I experienced from having a child. So even if my wife were to divorce me after this speech, she brought North into the world, even when I didn't want to. Okay. Yep. Now, she didn't come out and tell us that she thought about having an abortion. She didn't tell us on the show. She didn't tell us on her Instagram. She didn't tell us <laughs> on her Twitter. So... Why am I wrong for sitting back and saying that's a violation? No one has sympathy for anything the Kardashians go through. <laughs> they got to that point where they feel like they're so untouchable that I, I swear to God, no one has any sympathy. Even in the music, uh, Kanye's recent music, he's talked about how Kim has tried to do things to help his situation. But at the end of the day, 
I think somebody in Kanye's position, if he doesn't want help for himself, you can't help him. He's a rebellious person. If you try to help him more and he feels like you're on the wrong side of whatever thing he has in his mind, he's going to fight. He's going to triple down. He's going to double down. He's going to act even more irate. So I wouldn't know. Fuck the Kardashians as a friend to Kanye. Kanye has many friends. I don't know what they can do. Jay-Z yeah. was once his friend and a mentor. He had to separate himself. And I believe oh. Jay-Z still in his heart loves Kanye, but he had to separate himself. He's going on rants talking about Beyonce. Listen, the minute that Kanye said he was running for president and Jay-Z would be his running mate, and the idea of Beyonce being the family behind Kim Kardashian, that I already knew the shit wasn't real. Beyonce will never show up in the picture and be the second bitch to a Kim Kardashian. And for all of you that think that I'm not critical of the Kardashians, do I think they're scandalous people? Yeah, to a certain degree, they are scandalous in their relationships. They've all burned every bitch that's ever been their friend. They've burned them. Let me back up. To every female that's ever been their friend, they've burnt them, right? Justine Skye was dating. Who was she dating? She was dating sure. Ben Simmons. Who took Ben Simmons? Kendall. Trina was dating uh, fr uh, French Montana, who took French, Chloe. Okay, uh, you could go on and on and on. So, do I, and honestly, do I regret how hard I went on Jordan Woods? Hell yeah, because now it's watching Chloe take Tristan Thompson back and the mm. whole family embrace him, and how they try to destroy Jordan Woods. Nah, that shit was foul. So I get why people are mad. I get why black. People oh, they they, are they mad. mad. They I get big it. mad at the Kardashians. But I get why black culture doesn't fuck with the Kardashians because they've been able to bubble to a certain level that black people would never be able to do if they did the shit that they did. But I'm a fan of being able to take a lemon and make a motherfucking lemonade stand. So, you know, I'm a fan no. of hustle. I'm a fan of the underdog. So that's why I tend to take up for them. But yeah, do I think that they're like, you know, are they sitting next to the Pope on a good Sunday at the Four Seasons brunch? Fuck no. I just personally have empathy and want to have empathy for Kanye, mm -hmm. for Kim, and for their children, and for Chris, who I will say, you can say what the fuck you want about Chris Jenner, but anytime that I've needed her or she's called or I've called or needed something as Rob's friend, she always has been there. And I know how much she loves her family and I know how much she takes care of them behind the scenes. I'll give you an example of the house that nobody knows is, but the house that you saw Chris Jenner live in on the Kardashians with the checker floor. Remember mm -hmm. that, that? Do you remember that house where it had the checker white and black? Yeah, floor? Yeah, yeah. She gave that house to Rob. So Rob would have his own house when he was going through all the stuff with black China. So nobody sees all the stuff of how they care for each other as a family behind the scenes. Do I think she's uh, Kim is wrong for trying to go and get Kanye West help? No, because we all want Kanye to be better. I don't want Kanye West to die. I don't we want, all Kanye, want to Kanye to get help. We do. Yeah. But, I do agree. We do have to condemn the shit that he's doing and saying because it's wrong. And, and I don't know. I don't want to say we need to silence him like he's some dog that you just put somewhere, you know, and lock him up. But it's like his voice is powerful. And when you say things that are destructive to the community at this point, Kanye, because you're starting to have it's starting to be like a, a rhythm. And then every time short after an album's coming out. So I don't like I'm saying I don't know if it's really an episode. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I feel like he's smarter than we think he is because every time he does this, there's an album around the corner. And of course, coming Donda. up this weekend, Donda. there's an album coming out. Yeah. So it's like, is it genius? 
is is he having is he having an episode? Is this all planned? We would Con- never know, honestly. Con- Kanye and the Kardashians both know how to master social media. They are to me one and two peas in a pod. And I'll also say to the point that Kanye said that he was uh, thinking of leaving Kim Kardashian, wanted to divorce her. She was gonna divorce him when he stopped taking his medication, and his and their household became a battle zone. Now that's the tea that I'll spill today. Now uh, Kanye had refused; he had started refusing to take his medication unless Kim performed and did certain things uh, that he liked or that he wanted. Um, and as a result of her n- not wanting to do them because she wanted to have control of her own life. Uh, Kanye stopped taking his medication, which created a battle zone in their home. So we don't know what she's going through. We don't know what the children have been exposed to. But it, underneath all of the speculation and doing our job, because this is your and I, this is our job to do what we're doing right now. But beyond all that, I am not personally invested in what the fuck these people are going through every day. Uh-huh. And I'm not checking. You know, I did send Kim a message and said, I'm, you know, some of the toughest people need people to check on them. So I hope you and your family are well. I did reach out to Kanye to say, uh, through his people to say, hey, we w- I would love to talk to Kanye. I w- this was before the breakdown. I said, I would love to talk to Kanye. I would love, because I do feel like he's a very complex individual. And, uh, but nonetheless, I-, I don't think we need to silence him, but I absolutely think we need to condemn what he said and done. And I don't think we should be as invested in his personal views or thoughts. And we yeah, should be focused yeah. on- What's in front of us, and that's this 2020 election, which at this point, whether it's a senile Joe Biden, whether it's a, a fucking psychopath Trump, or it's Kanye and the birthday party, y'all motherfuckers better cash this vote in the right way. <laughs> I feel bad for Kanye's friends, man, because every time Kanye does this stuff, they go, somebody needs to check on him. Who's around him? It's the people around him. And I'm like, I really honestly believe he has some solid people around him, but Kanye's going to do what he wants to do. Everybody, you always see tweet. Somebody needs to be checking on him. Why is somebody not? You can't control a no, grown no, ass man. Nobody was saying this in 2010 when I would discover Twitter. <laughs> you know, sometimes you leave your friends unattended. They do some dumb shit. And, you know, different people have different levels of it. I had friends around me that, I mean, drink this, Jason, drink this. My alcoholic ass was drunk tweeting. Okay, I could be in the bed, one eye closed, tweeting my ass off. The 140 characters wasn't enough for me. I would do continued, 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 comma. But nonetheless, again, I want to come from a place of empathy. Could you imagine if I came on this show and fucking said that Kim Kardashian was going to have an abortion? They would vilify me. They would destroy me. They would come for me. How dare you? Even though I am the tea spiller, and if that was tea that I had, I should be able to say because of what I do, they would Mm -hmm. vilify me. So he gets no pass in that. You know, whether it's a Kim Kardashian and whether it's a, you know, Melissa Ford or or even Mm -hmm. the brat, if the brat had an abortion, God forbid, you know, that's none of a man's business to just put out like that. Uh, So, I mean, I don't know. Okay, y'all, it's time for another Hollywood hookup. Now, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, during this whole quarantine lockdown, this pandemic, it's been really hard to stay motivated, but we do our best. But if you're going through anything like that, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. 
It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to ever sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as a traditional therapist. You know how it is when you go in those offices. Listen, this is convenient, especially for people who can't you know, go anywhere to just due to social distancing. Hello, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed, okay? It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Now, you can visit their website and read testimonials that are posted on their site daily. Matter of fact, let me do it right now. Let me just go read one. Um, This one is from Cindy Gamble. She says, listens well and helps me understand what I'm feeling, helps me to feel better and helps helping me realize what I need to do next. So obviously this is coming from real people. It's on the homepage of their website. Visit betterhelp.com slash unlock. That's Better H-E-L-P and join over a million people that are taking charge in their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Hollywood Unlock listeners, all right? You get 10% off your first month, betterhelp.com slash unlocked. That's your Hollywood hookup. Another person that had a meltdown, my friend Nick Cannon. Everybody knows that I'm on Wild and Out. Nick has been here on the show um, I consider Nick a friend. I consider Nick somebody who gave me an opportunity when I left Love and Hip Hop mm-hmm. and thought I wasn't returning to TV. I asked him for uh, um, I asked him for a job. Take a look. I am not an actor by any means, All unless right. you ask my ex. But while in <laughs> out, okay, let me tell you about while. You coming out. on the show? I would. I'm asking. I want to audition. I want to earn the opportunity. Listen, I'm you want to be on more than one wait. episode. You just want to come on. I want to be the gay be, wait, rapper. <laughs> wait, hey, Jason. You, we, there's already a couple of those on the show. <laughs> and I got the job. I didn't only get one season on Wild and Out. I got five seasons. And wow. so I just want to preface this next subject with the fact that my vantage point, like damages to me with my tweets, is very closer to Nick than the average person online. I don't know what your view of Nick is or what your thoughts of a Nick Cannon has been. I can only tell you the person that I text, the -hmm. person that I work with, the person that I know, and the person that I respect. Nick Cannon recently was in the news because he did his podcast, Cannon Class, where he is, you know, he has tapped into his blackness. Now, I will tell you, Nick Cannon's tapping into his blackness, to me, is similar to when people discover Jesus. It's like super black, super pro, super, super, super. yes. And he's like, you're pro-black, right? But yeah. you're you're pro-black in it. You're not pro-black like you just discovered it. And now it's just, yeah. you know. You I, know I've been that. watching Scannon's class and, I, and I've seen it. And I'm like, you know, he's, I always said this before the episode where everybody was, you know, condemning him and everything we'll be talking about. I was like, he is straddling a very, right. this is a tight line because right. the stuff he's talking about, right. something, I knew something was going to happen. But, I didn't see it here, but yeah. But the point is when people discover their blackness, like a lot of us have been having our own eruption of consciousness with the passing of George Floyd. You do get in it. You do get consumed with it. He enrolled, you know, Nick lives in LA and in New York. He enrolled in Howard University and was flying back and forth to class every week, taking pro-black studies and just graduated Mm. where he wanted to learn more about that. 
uh, our culture and and then launched Canon Class and started having these really difficult conversations, which came from his view of a of a uh, from an educational standpoint. And I will say to know Nick Cannon personally, Nick Cannon is all about putting black people on. That yeah. is very fucking rare in this business. You have never seen, I don't know, where a person has done an interview, been asked to get a job and gives the person a job based on wanting to give them the opportunity, mm -hmm. not having proved anything. I was not a comic. I was not a rapper. I was none of that. I didn't dance. You know, put me in an environment that I was very uncomfortable with to push me to be great at something. So I will say to that before I get into it, Nick Cannon is a person who's given a lot of black people opportunities Absolutely. in Hollywood. Look at the platform of Wildin' Out. And every crest and crevice of the platform, he is putting somebody on from even the audience. The audience is mostly all black, you know, beautiful. From the girls that come on the show, from the upcoming comedians from Instagram or comedians that may have not had that platform, putting like them a, on like television. A Kevin, like a Kevin Hart or a Cat Williams or, I mean, some of the biggest comedians that we know now came through that show. Even artists that will perform at the end of the show are getting a platform. He used that platform to put everyone on. It's a beautiful thing, man. Salute to Nick Cannon. And on MTV, which is a real mainstream, you know, uh, white network for the most part. And I will say Nick has done a lot. Now, that said, you know, there's a lot of Karens out here that have done a lot of good things, too. And when they fuck up and get caught, Karen's gone wild. <laughs> they get canceled. I saw recently uh, D.L. Hughley was on The View and he said that, you know, for every Karen that says something dumb and loses it all, there has to be a Nick. Uh, and so Nick did this canon class where he was talking about um, his views of, um, you know, um, on on Jewish on the Jewish community. And he yeah, called he, he called the black people the first black Hebrews. And he said a lot of things. He was talking to somebody from the um, from the group um, Public Enemy. And uh, this is what he had to say. If we were truly the, the children of Israel and we're defining who the Jewish people are, because I feel like if we actually can understand that construct, then we can see that there is no hate involved. When we talk about right, right. the lies, the deceit, you can't be anti-Semitic when the Semitic, when, when we, we are the Semitic people, when we are the same people that you, who they want to be, that's our birthright. That's our birthright. All right. Well, people went off and I'll tell you damage again. This is me being vulnerable and sharing with you something. I knew what anti I've heard of anti-Semitism or anti-Semitic, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but, but I, I don't even know at the time, I didn't even know the extent of what being anti-Semitic was. Yeah, because the, the Jewish community is a very small community. I believe they're probably 2% of the population, a little under 2%. So, I mean, it's just... It's a very tough thing to be aware of. And I feel like a lot of us naturally are not aware of their history and what things that could trigger that community. And I think what Nick Cannon was trying, I can't think what he's trying to say, but I know, I know he didn't mean to disrespect the community the way it came off. I think couldn't have been his I, I think when it comes to the black experience, we definitely think about slavery. We definitely yeah. think about civil rights in this country. We definitely think about the fact that we live in a country where we're not equal, a country that we're not equal to people who stole the country, raped, pillaged, killed, enslaved an entire nation of people to come here and build a country in over 400 years and still not have any reparations. Mm -hmm. um, so I get it. But we also forget about the Holocaust. And we forget mm -hmm. about the fact that six million Jews died, were killed, were separated from their families, were put in uh, camps, uh, in camps to uh, 
be uh, taken away from their families and then you know put no, it was tattoo, terrible put t- yeah, tattoos on them and then burning them right while they were alive so we're not experimenting on them it was a lot we don't think about the Jewish community. And when we do think about Jews, at least in Hollywood, we think about the motherfuckers that are riding around in the Bentleys and got all the money. Yeah, but, it's a but, very skewed perception. But the majority of the Jewish community are poor. And so I think what Nick did was hurtful, Yeah, but, but not intent. I don't think he intended to be hurtful, but I think from a pat place of being passionate about our people, Nick, um, yeah, he said some dumb I, shit. It was just some of the wording for sure was wrong. I, I believe he was trying to say, if you're going to call us savages, look at this. Yeah, but the which, way which, which isn't wrong. Yeah, but which isn't wrong. But you can't ins- insinuate that all of these people, all yeah. Jewish people, are all whoever people, all of anything is not right. You can't generalize anybody. It would just be like saying like. All of us are wrong, are bad people, you know? Because, yeah, if somebody took quite a few examples of stuff black people didn't go, look at that. They're savages. They're this, they're that. You can't do that. And what is, is, we would get upset about that. We can never do that about another community. That's wrong. Which is why I will never uh, tweet that all black clubs are ghetto and dangerous. (laughs) See? Because ain't all black clubs like that. Yeah, well, we can save that for another conversation. <laughs> but but to Nick, you know, um, I posted a photo on Instagram and I said, I'm standing with Nick. I was not standing with what he said. I was standing with the fact that we live in a world where even with my tweets or even with mm-hmm. whoever, you know, when somebody like a Nick Cannon who very rarely finds himself in the midst of a scandal says some dumb shit, we have to give him an opportunity to come to get to a table and have a conversation about it yeah. and be accountable or be educated about it. For Viacom to send out the, the message that they were distancing themselves from Nick, canceling Nick, inadvertently canceling while and out, which I still have a pickup order for. That to me is the shit that is just too easy to cancel people these days. More importantly, it's too easy to cancel black people. And I just feel like, should he be accountable? Yes. Should he lose everything? No. And so I was really happy to see Nick posting um, uh, an apology on Instagram, Mm -hmm. on Facebook. And it was a very long uh, apology. And he ended with he demands an apology. Well, then he came back and apologized. And then the black community who was standing with Nick stopped standing with him and started attacking him. And then he started to post cryptic messages of contemplating suicide. Uh, Did you see all that? Yeah, I did. That, that really made that really hurt me because I look at Nick as a very strong person. Uh, Nick went through. Um, I don't. I don't remember what the sickness was. Lupus. To, yeah, to have lupus and to have that work ethic that he has. People don't understand that that dude is a monster. To have lupus and to be getting up to do a radio show, to be filming while and out, flying across the world. That's not easy. And I right. think we just look at some of these celebrities like they're superheroes. Nick is a very strong person. So I felt like for him to get to that point, I was really, really sad because it's like, damn, if you can go through so much. Nick has been in this industry for a long time, and I'm sure he's been through quite a lot behind the scenes. Maybe not as public as this, but I know as a black man in this industry, he's been through a lot. And for him at this moment, because of this, to post tweets like that, I'm like, dude, like we got to we have to us as a community, a black community. We have to figure out some kind of way, have some patience with each other because it's no reason Nick Cannon should feel like that based on the comments 
of people that come of his sa- the same skin. He shouldn't feel like that. So I told, uh, I had a call with Mona Scott Young and Terrence J, both of which have production deals over at Viacom because I was feeling a certain way. I felt like I had invested a lot of time at Viacom. I felt like as an African-American there at Viacom, the finish line kept moving or becoming invisible. And I, and I had said all this before Nick did his thing. And then when Nick, when this happened with Nick and then they took his deal away from them and, you know, the fact that he was been like a, a chairman or he's been on the board of Nickelodeon, he helped create the Halo Awards that he hosts the uh, Nickelodeon uh, Teen Choice Awards. He's very active in the Viacom brand. Uh, I felt some type of way to the extent that I wanted to quit loving hip hop and wilding out because for me, I don't need to be on those TV shows. I don't give, I really don't care if they don't want me back. I have pickup orders for both shows. But I don't want to be anywhere where somebody has the power to turn off what the fuck I'm doing because you don't like what I do. If you don't like what I do, you should sit down with me and have a conversation about how I can fix it if I've actually hurt somebody. These people know Nick Cannon. I will tell you what happened. Nick Cannon built Wild Out, which is a billion dollar brand. Mm -hmm. And they want it. He owns it now. They're trying to take it. And this is similar to when... Bill Cosby wanted to own NBC. I'm not saying Bill Cosby was wrong. I mean, he probably was slipping pills or quaaludes and all of that. That's the whole other conversation. I ain't even going there. But the fact is that we don't know the powers that be in this industry. And I will tell you, there was a video that just popped up online of uh, uh, Dave Chappelle, who spoke out years ago on Actor Studio, where he said, talking about Martin Lawrence and them shooting Blue Streak, he was saying that, you know, when Martin was running in the streets, you mm-hmm. know, with a gun, talking about they're trying to kill me, when Mariah Carey got a $100 million deal and took off all her clothes on uh, TRL, you know, when he just got up and moved to Africa, like the strongest people for some reason are being broken by Hollywood. Why? Why? You give them everything and then you take everything away. But I do want to put some responsibility on some of these house niggas in the industry, too. Those of you that are at these networks and in these record labels and because they gave you the shiny office or the platinum credit card or the Bentley to roll around or the cloud and the title and the shows and this and the money and this and that. If you don't own shit and you don't control shit, you don't have a seat at the table where you actually really control shit and you ain't out trying to help us all get to that same table. You are, too, a part of the problem. Because all these people that don't look like us that sit in positions to benefit off of our culture, right? You can't tell me that Viacom cares about uh, Nick Cannon being anti-Semitic and having an opinion about um, Jewish people when you have a show like Love and Hip Hop that has us all on there competing for camera time based on how much we can destroy each other. So Mm -hmm. like the real conversation, if you really want to talk about it, Viacom, is what and I know what you pay people. You really don't pay people for what they do on your shows. You don't take care of the talent like Bravo does for the most part in making sure that they establish those people as business people, as people who have families and show the ups and downs. You create environments on Black Ink Crew, on Love and Hip Hop, where people go in for combat every day based on fighting for nickels and dimes so they can make you billions of dollars while you sit on your perch and look down at niggas acting niggardly. And so I don't want to hear about anti-Semitism and cancellation of Nick Cannon. I want to hear, bring Nick to the table, have a conversation, a fair conversation, let him hold himself accountable, and then stop living this this duality of of being in a neutral position on how you really want people to care about races. Because I can Mm -hmm. tell you, it's a bunch of white people at Viacom who sit at that level 
that have created these shows, that have created environments that have hurt our culture more than none. And I can tell you haven't been to my own love of hip hop. Now, this last season was great for me. I got as many episodes as everybody else and more. I got more money than I ever had because there was a new production company that came in and believed in what I contributed to the show. But I will tell you, when I first started loving hip hop, they were giving me nothing. And, you know, this was the whole like you just have an opportunity run with it. And I was able to run with it. But you're paying me coins to come in and destroy people. Like, that's what you, that's the environment that's created. You call it what you want. So I sit from a different vantage view on Nick. I support Nick. I stand with Nick. I think what Nick said was dumb. Uh, I know his heart and I know he loves people and he will never intentionally mm-hmm. hurt nobody. And he since then has done another canon class with a rabbi, right? Yeah. And, and and look at how Fox handled it because he's the host of, I believe it's called The Mass Singer. Yes. And they said, and they put out a statement saying Nick's comments inadvertently hurt you know another community of people inadvertently i think they knew nick's character and they seen his apology and they're still riding with nick and fox is not like some small company it's fox right so it just goes to show you that you know there is some nuance there where people can understand the character of nick cannon and he was nick cannon was very sympathetic it wasn't like he was like yeah i fucking i said it who cares i feel like he was genuinely hurt that he he disrespected the community of people and i feel like that needs to be taken notice of. And I would say to Nick, don't kill yourself, bro. And I'm not even saying that in a cavalier way because one, you have three children and one on the way by a woman that you're not really in love with. Um, but nonetheless, you have another child on the way and you have a lot of people like me and people around you who love you and care about you and are grateful for you because of your contributions to our community and what you've done for us. Those of us that have not had opportunities handed to us or haven't had to fight and grovel for you, mm-hmm. you you've done it out of love you've done it out of a place of actually caring and for that you will always have my respect I, i'll say really quick when i got on wilding out and i went to that first boot camp i literally wanted to quit and in the midst of that work that boot camp rasul butler and his girlfriend died in a car crash who i knew rasul for several years um, and when he died, I was just devastated. I was emotional. I was uncomfortable. I was very much, I didn't have the confidence to be on a while and out. I was terrified to be around DC and Chico and Carlos and all these people who were amazing comedians. And I, and I packed up my bags and I was quitting. And Nick Cannon called me, came to me and said, you're not leaving. You're not quitting. You're going to fight and push through it. And he told the producers, I'm not letting you fire Jason, figure out how to utilize him in the show. And that gave me the confidence that I needed to be a strong black man on MTV. He helped me repair my relationship with VH1 when they had a white publicist who was shutting Hollywood and locked out from covering things that are matter to the culture. Nick Cannon reopened those conversations. And Nick Cannon and MTV, shout out to Annie and shout out to everybody at MTV, pushed VH1 to respect me and my contribution. So I'm coming from a different place mm-hmm. and I'm going to ride with Nick. And, I, and, and Damage, if you, you know... I look at you the same way. For example, when we talked about my tweets today, you didn't come in here, cancel Jason, cancel this. You didn't go on your Instagram. I'm leaving Hollywood online because I can't stand behind a colorist. You know, people who have real relationships need to hold their friends accountable and condemn what they do. But you still want to give them a space to learn and grow and become the best version of themselves, because that's what that's what relationships are supposed to be about. 
We got to have more patience with each other in our community. I mean, what everybody else wants to do, that's fine and it's fucked up. I don't like what Viacom has done with Nick Cannon. But for Nick to feel this way because he's being attacked by his own and Nick is only given. He's a giver. I, I personally, I felt sad reading those tweets. And I'm just like, he's feeling like this, not because of the Viacom thing, not because of all the shit he's dealt with, not because of lupus, but because his own community started attacking him. The community that he basically dedicated his career to providing platforms for, that made me hurt. That was that was that really was eye-opening to me. We have to have way more patience for each other, for real. And compassion. I mean, look, Please, I know when things happen in the news, they expect me to get online and just tear people down. Have I done it? Yeah, of course. Sometimes I do. We got Meg the Stallion coming up and Tory Lanez. I got to dig oh, into their Lord. asses. Pause. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like we do need to have more compassion. And even with me, please understand, I'm going to have compassion for people. I'm still going to let them have it or say what I think, but I'm still going to have empathy for them at the end of the day. Cause as a human being, all these people we're talking about today, I want them all to live and flourish. I want them all to be better. I want them all to be happy. I want them all to be cured. I don't want to see Kanye West die. I love his gospel albums. I love ultra light beam. I listened to it going to the beach this weekend. I mm -hmm. love 808 and Heartbreaks, one of my favorite albums. I love Yeezys. I love everything about what he's created for the culture I love. Do Am I happy with him? No. But does that mean I need to just drag him every day? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, I'm not subscribing to that. All right. I hear you. So let's get out of that entanglement and get into another one. <laughs> August Alsina has dropped a song called Entanglements featuring Rick Ross. Um, everybody knows that he had a relationship with Jada Pinkett Smith when it first came out. It was in an yeah. interview that he had with um, with um, Angela Yee, our friend Angela mm -hmm. Yee. And as it was coming out, he was kind of hinting or taught or mentioning it, but he wasn't really getting into the details. He didn't say mm -hmm. nothing. He didn't say, Will Smith, I fucked your bitch or nothing like that. But he keeps talking about this. He did a recent interview with um, with Lil Wayne on his podcast. Yeah. Which, by the way, Wayne, I love your fucking podcast. <laughs> and uh, Regine and Toya, tell Wayne to bring his ass here. But anyway, this is what he said on that show. Look, you, man. you miss her? You still love her? I... <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just saying, keep it gay. Keep it a thousand, Mike. But, but look, but look, I mean, absolutely. I feel like when you experience a a, a certain type of experience on this planet and you mm -hmm. experience a certain type of love mm -hmm. you um i'll always I'll, i will always have love for her as a as a person that you know what i'm saying experience on this <laughs> on this on this planet that was experience yeah on man this planet law later got going <laughs> at, on, man. nah but real talk though real talk it, it the the uh experience really did help to transform me uh and really bring out the bring out the king in me but okay as as for as for what uh you know people may say or whatever or if it's looking like i might i'm doing something for um attention absolutely absolutely not i was about I to say like, you got a poker face because damn sure don't look like it to me nah 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 i mean it i it the, the the what's perplexing to me is that you know i never think it's anybody's uh business to know my, my yeah, business exactly. right and my exactly. per my personal Your my person, personal yeah. business right but when my personal business starts to affect 
my lifestyle and my livelihood. Mm. Like I, 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 like I lost, you know, partnerships and deals behind mm. that situation because mm. it looked to the world as if August Alcina was some, you know, reckless New Orleans nigga that I'm just pushing up on somebody's wife. Yeah. And because because they didn't have the truth, you know, th- those things happen and transpire. And then when the truth was revealed. So many of those same people came back around and, and apologized to me, like, mm. "Oh, you know, I'm sorry, my bad. Mm. I didn't, I didn't know. You know what I'm saying?" But the in saying that I'm talking about it, uh, why why am I talking about it now? I mean, I could have spoken about this at at uh, any point in my life, but when my sister died, it mm. was something that I decided to remove myself mm. from. Gotcha. Because of the complexities mm-hmm. of it and you know uh, I never want to be the person to cause confusion for anybody um, in their life but I couldn't continue to walk around uh, elephants in the room and for it to be said that it was several years ago that was what I think my homie was just telling me that was not even a full two years ago when I dipped from that situation so what did you think when he mentioned jada pinkett and the relationship and the that he did talk to will or what did you think about that shit it? corny yo like he it's cornball shit like if he did this in a in a way of he needed to have some self-healing or some shit like that cool but it's all wrapped around this whack-ass album and people might like the album. I just think everything about this that August is doing is just kind of lame. As a grown man, I wouldn't do it. Like you put the album out, you use the the thing with Will and Jada as your rollout. The album did what it did. It didn't do that great. Cool. And then the entanglement. Now you make a new entanglement song. Is that on the album? No, it's just a random. It's like now I'm starting to see your intentions behind this whole story. And I feel like if you wanted to tell your story or state your piece. For your peace of mind, that's different. But if you want to just expose your business for a rollout of your album, it's not working. And it's just lame. To me, yeah. it's lame. I watched, um, you know, not discounting whatever August went through. You slept with, a, mar- you slept with a married woman. You, you're disrespecting a black icon. Two black icons at this point. I don't know what the fuck the entanglement was about. Maybe you were Will's boyfriend on the side. Maybe you were Jada's. Maybe you helped her rejuvenate her sex life or whatever. (laughs) Made her feel some type of way. I don't know. But at this point, you're dragging it with a married woman. And to me, I feel like the disrespect that he's doing to Will is just, it's unforgivable. And I want to interview August. I've reached out to him. Probably won't come on the show because nobody wants to come to the Blue Table Talk. Nobody wants to come to Hollywood Unlocked because we're not going to have the radio conversation. We're going to have the, what nigga, what are you doing conversation. Um, and I just feel like at this point, like you said, it's corny. Um, it's corny. I, Overall, I feel, it's corny. I feel, like, I feel like if for whatever reason, Jada's vagina rescued you from the brink of death when you were ill at this point her vagina's not yours anymore it's back with her husband's and you should shut the fuck up and and you you really don't look like a man talking about fucking a married woman who the culture does love people love jada pinkett smith you you went on and said she didn't prey on you okay cool Cause we all thought to, to give you some props that, you know, Jada prayed on this man. He was sick, whatever you said, she didn't pray on you. Cool. 
So do you not have any respect for what the family has done for you trying to save your life? Because at the end of the day, there was some good intentions to help out August Alcina. You know, they said he was sick. They took him into their homes. Why are you doing this? Right. You stating your piece about whatever to... There should have never been an entanglement song. That was just the corniest shit ever. It's like, bro, you should have let it go. When he didn't speak on it really after the fact, I thought I was like, okay, it's over. He drops a single entangle entanglements. Like, what the fuck is that? And the song, nah. the song wasn't even all that. But you know, I, I'll yeah, say this, man. August. I'm not an August hater. I I love that you're working through your shit, and I support you, my brother. And you know, I'm not going to support and promote entanglement anymore on my platform because I think it's a dumbass song. Uh, and I think it's done what you're doing. Um, but it really does show the bitch in you because there's no way that you feel like a man doing what you're doing. And, you know, I know you don't feel like a bitch and maybe you feel attacked, but so does Will. So does Jada. And so this is a free this is a free attack zone. People can say whatever they want. I personally hope that you get the help that you need. I hope you find a vagina that doesn't belong to anybody else. Or an mm -hmm. asshole, whatever you're into. I hope that you find the comfort of whatever you need to grip your dick and emotions that is not tied to anybody else. Because, my friend, we don't want to hear it anymore. And uh, shout out to Angelie for having a killer-ass yeah. interview that we are all interview. talking about. And, and at the end of the day, bro, stand on your own shit. You talented. That's how you got into this game from your raw talent. Stand on that. Stop using this weird shit as rollouts and gimmicks. You don't need to do that, bro. Make good fucking music. Stop doing the corny shit. That's it. Now he could have did the song with six nine. Then it really would have been an entanglement. Been, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even see August going that. That's that's stupid. I'm just right. saying that had been bigger than August doing that. And Rick Ross, I love you, Rick Ross. I don't care what people say. Yeah, maybe maybe you used to be a cop. I used to be a probation. We we the same. But at the end of the day, I fuck with Rick Ross. I love, I have all his albums. I can't cite all the songs because I don't remember shit it really. But I do love Rick Ross. I love what he's, I just love that he loved, I mean, he put me on the song Pepper, Lemon Pepper Wings. Yeah, yeah. You know, not that I needed to eat any, but I did. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, the old me. Uh, but you know, I, I don't. I, right, I don't think Rick should have did the song. I was him. hurt when I seen that. Yeah, I was hurt. You too important to us, man. Come on, I, man. I love Rick Ross. I said Ross, no, man, no. Listen, when man. I saw Rick Ross get on there, it was similar to how painful it was watching Queen Latifah die and set it off. That's how painful <laughs> it was. And I thought about poor Stony. Moving along, crying, looking out the window at what life used to be. That's what Jada's doing now. She's looking outside like, damn, you just done put all my business out there. Now, now, Jada, you do have to own a little part of this. You know goddamn Absolutely. well. You know goddamn well this was not no entanglement. You caused this shit. You started this shit. August said, I ain't nobody going to profit off of me if I ain't going to profit off the situation, too. So you want to have your red table talk, get your millions of views? Okay, bitch. I'm gonna uh, that's what it, okay, so that's what it was. Yeah. He, because they they used his method and out-mediated the fuck out of him. Yeah, but he they- went on yeah. the Angela interview, which was great, and then they came and just shut Facebook down. Yeah, but here's where, here's where good old Jada fucked up. Jada, you should have came to the blue table, baby. I'm going to help you all see. And the same with Nick Cannon. Y'all are not me and Wendy Williams. You are not. You want to have platforms where you have talk and radio. And Nick is Nick Cannon. So everybody going to go talk to Nick Cannon. But what you have to understand what comes with doing this shit is you go say what the fuck you want. But then you got to be able to handle all the blows. 
pause. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to handle all of the fallouts and the relationships that you burn and the things that you lose. What Jada did was remember when Jordan Woods did what she did with Tristan, she brought Jordan onto blue t- on red table talk mm-hmm. and she used it as a PR tool to make Jordan look less of a hoe. Okay. Now, she thought bringing herself to the red table was going to make people look at her less of an entangler. Well, guess what? You it fucked didn't. up because the backfire cuz you you used it for you use your platform in the wrong way. You should have came to the blue table talk here at Hollywood Unlocked. Me and Damage would have dug all into your entanglement and then you'd be free right now. But August said, "Nah, bitch, you're not going to take this situation to be the only one to profit. Your husband gave me permission to hit it raw." You fucked it. And you know what? Boom. Here's my single. Entanglements. Entanglements. <laughs> uh, I've had, you know what's so crazy? I had my own entanglement that involved August Alcina. I forgot to tell you. Wait, what? This is, this is a real story. Okay. Back in the day when I had just started Hollywood Unlocked and I had just got on Love & Hip Hop, I was at the BET Awards and I was texting a friend of mine who looks like August Alsina. And I had saved his name in my phone as August Alsina. And I was texting him just, you know, random conversation. But it said August Alsina. And the person next to me was the editor for B. Scott and B. Scott.com. Love B. Scott.com. Shout out to B. Scott. Anyway, he saw that I was texting August Alsina. But it wasn't the August Alsina that we know. Me and B. Scott get into this big war online on Twitter. Back on my Twitter days, we got in this big war. I was in London. I don't know where he was. You could Google it if you want to Google Jason Lee and B. Scott and August Alsina. Well, anyway, B. Scott was like, no, if you want to know the real tea, tell everybody why you were texting August Alsina. Basically made it look like me and August were texting some gay shit. So he got drugged into the whole thing and had nothing to do with it. And so that was literally August Alsina's first entanglement. So I'm waiting for entanglement trapped in the closet version. Oh, shit. Yes. (laughs) All right. So um, our friend Tork. We got to talk about it. Our friend Tory Lanez, um, he she shot up Meg the Stallion. I don't um, think he's any of our friends personally. So Tory Lanez, somebody that I've had a sketch, sketchy past with because I've talked about him on the show. I said he wasn't. I wanted to interview him, but I didn't think his feet were tall enough to. I didn't feel yeah, like you'd be was, killing him with the short jokes. I didn't feel like he was tall enough to sit in a chair at a, at the show, and you know, I didn't know how deep his little man syndrome went at the time. I knew yeah. that he was problematic and that he's popped off, and you know. Swing at motherfuckers and do different shit. But I always, to a certain degree, had an admiration for um, Tori from a distance because he was just this little firecracker who didn't give a fuck, mm-hmm. right? Then when COVID-19 happened and he launched Club Quarantine, I really started liking him. I really mm-hmm. started liking him. And then with the Black Lives Matter movement and calling other celebrities out on their shit, I really, I grew a respect for Tori. And I even, me and him have been texting each other. Well, we had been at the time where I was telling him how much that I really started liking him as a person. And we mm-hmm. were working on getting him here on the show. Well, uh, recently, um, while we were off, Megan The Stallion had been doing some work. She had been hanging out with Kylie. She then uh, linked up with Tory Lanez, who reportedly was drunk. Now, some of the tea that I never spilled that I'm spilling here for the first time for people okay. inside the situation. I'm ready. Megan the Stallion basically was hanging out with Tori, and the and when she goes off on personal time, she doesn't bring her security with her. So she's uh, no, absolutely, which it, it makes sense. It makes sense. You go into Kylie's house, like yeah, but then people like Floyd, he always has security. He, he wherever he's at, they outside or there's so he, he's never by himself. 
Mm-hmm. And so some celebrities choose that. Well, for Meg, when she's on personal time, she doesn't do that. She's by herself. And this time when she went to hang out with Tori and Kylie and her friend, uh, she was by herself, no security. So anyhow, as they leave the party, Ky- uh, they leave the party. Uh, uh, Megan's in the car with her female friend and Tori. They get into an argument. Now, I don't know if it was because they were fucking around and then somehow he felt some type of way or or whether, you know, mm. Tori just, you know, was feeling himself and started saying whatever. But he started going off on Meg. They got into an argument. He pulled out the gun and he started waving it around and the gun then goes off shooting Megan the Stallion. Now, I'll tell you, if 2020 couldn't get any more weird when I had to repeat, wow. when I had to repeat the words wow. that Tory Lanes, five foot three, hundred and twenty pounds, pulled out his gun and shot that Appaloosa horse of a Meg Stallion and shot her, I said, "This is the craziest shit." <laughs> I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know how crazier twenty twenty can get when Tory Lanes. No, nah, this is next level. Wait, 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 damage. Listen to me. It's next level. Damage. Hold on. Listen. Tory Lanes shot. Megan the Stallion. Now, I don't give a fuck what you feel about what I've said about Megan. I have texted Megan to say, hey, baby, I hope your hoof is okay. I hope you are fine. I hope you can gallop and drop it like it's hot. Shut I am up. sorry. But look, I have to say this. Megan, you're too mixy. You're too fucking mixy. And I'm mixy. I used to be mixy. I don't mix no more. I don't even fucking leave my house. I got cameras mm. that watch everything. If you come on my porch, I'm going to blow you away. Mm. I am not mixy. But I remember it was Cardi who called me one day. She said, you're too fucking mixy. Every time I look on your Instagram, you and all these pictures of all these people. And she was she made me stop being mixy because I felt like I need to be in the mix. Megan, mm. it's too much in the mix. You're hanging out with Kylie. You're hanging out on the playground with Tori. You're over here with this person and that person. And then you get shot. Jesus Christ. You got shot by a man who's five foot three and 120 pounds. He can't, the even, one. he can't even climb you without a ladder. And you know you shouldn't have been hanging out with him, but here you go. It's COVID-19. No mess. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's back up. Let's back up. Why does she know she shouldn't be hanging out with Tory Lanez? It's COVID-19. Why are we hanging out anyway? She it, was a part of quarantine radio when he used to do quarantine radio. She used to be over there. This ain't that new. But she didn't need to be there. If I built a collage of how many people Megan Thee Stallion has hung out with for clout, it would we would not have enough show to do it. Now I'm not knocking her because that's her style of come up, and she is a very young. And she's also young. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, she's no. young. She, she's young. She's new to the game, and she is extremely and extraordinarily likable. When you mm-hmm. meet Megan The Stallion, I know why people want to be around her, but I don't think she understands that she doesn't need to be around everybody else. She is a likable. I think person. she's learning that now. She's learning it now. And this is what I will say I'm happy about. All jokes aside, she stopped. She cut off all communication with her team. She she released her message and didn't call anybody. She has been out of the spotlight. She has been uh, taking time to herself. And I think now she gets it. You know, now I think she gets it. I mean, yeah, she got shot, Jason. It's not funny. So it, it, no, it's not funny. Here's the problem. It's in no circumstance should a man be waving a fucking gun at a woman. At all. In any circle, I don't give a fuck what the argument's about. What what is going on so intense where two superstars are in the car and you felt like you needed to pull out a pistol that you probably didn't need and start waving it around in the car? Mine is right here. I don't care wherever I'm at, it's gonna be near me, but I'm not gonna wave it around and shoot up the show. What I'm gonna shoot the show up. 
Now I do, but but this goes back to damage. Being young, wanting to have fun. Now I don't know what type of people you like, damage, because you don't really hang out with a lot of people. You, no. I don't. I see you with your son. I see you with us. I see you with your other podcast, but I don't see you being with a whole bunch of people at all. Now, if every day you 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 hanging out with Selena Gomez, then you over here with with Beyonce, then you over here with French Montana, now you over here with Lil Wayne, now you over here with Rick Ross, now you entangled with August Alcina. What is you doing? Now we get you the hot girl. Stop letting all these people want to hang around you for clout. Just focus on the music and focus on your money. Now I'm not blaming her at all because you can't be blamed for getting shot. Not for you know? that, not for that shit like that, but I just think at the end of the day, if from an outside perspective, I don't know none of these people personally, that looked like a clash about to happen. You got Tori who has this big ego, like you called him a firecracker. Why do you, why do you say big ego? You'd be a messy. He got a big ego, period. He do. He's a firecracker. He is. I've interviewed Tory Lanez before. That's, that's really? his energy. And then you got Megan Thee Stallion, who I wouldn't say has a big ego, but she says how the fuck she feels, period. But no, but personally, she does. She's she is the. You know what? When her and Beyonce did that song, it makes sense because they're very similar in the sense of how nice and you no, know. No, she's like, nice, but yeah. I feel like if she, if you watch anything about her on Instagram, whatever, and when she feels a way, she's gonna say she's not afraid. She okay. she loves who she is. She's a, she, when she has a point, she's not going to go and back off. I can see that being a conflict. Mm-hmm. That probably was their first conflict. Mm-hmm. And look what happened. Well, they I probably w- hung out all the time and never had a conflict, but boom. Well, I want to say this to Megan. I am praying that you are getting better. I am praying that you have done some self-reflection. I am praying that you are no longer talking to Tori. I know you unfollowed him, and I know you unfollowed Kylie Jenner, and she unfollowed you too. So you ain't going to the Kardashian cookout, but then again, you probably don't care. I hope and pray that Meg is getting everything that she needs out of this experience. I like Meg the Stallion. I've texted her and told her I hope she's getting better. She did not text me back. Um, I called a couple of people to make sure it was still her number. It is. She's probably still mad at me. But listen, I'm still going to keep having opinions. Like I said, I think you're fucking mixy. Um, you're still dope and you're still sweet and you still deserve every blessing that you get. But this show is about saying what the fuck we think. And um, and Tori, you know, you got Lame, big nigga. You got Lame. big. If, if, you got if, if the you got I'm big. Sorry to cut you, you off. No, you got big problems. Um, and, and I know as a little guy, this could feel real big to you. And the memes with people putting the big pistol on you where the gun is bigger than you, I'm not for that. I'm not going to short shame you, but I will say that you're probably going to go to jail for shooting Megan the Stallion. You're probably never going to shake the fact that you shot a budding rap superstar. And um, and Kylie Jenner's not fucking with you no more because she knows you'll shoot a bitch. So at this point, I still like you. Uh, no. it, it, I like them because I like them. Because again, I don't want to hate everybody that does dumb shit. Any you know man that? that's shooting a fucking woman, you're done to me. I'm sorry, bro. Like that's the lamest shit. It's no, there's no argument in the world that him and Meg could have been having where a pistol needed to be pulled out. And maybe maybe you they, are from the streets. I ain't no street yeah. dude, but I'm from the streets. Yeah. You don't pull a gun out unless you're gonna use it. But maybe, Period. but maybe so they, all this waving the gun around to intimidate a woman, that's but, lame. But we, but that's we don't lame. know what happened. Maybe they went to Chick-fil-A and she shortchanged them. Nah, that shit's lame, Jason. That shit's lame. <laughs> Ain't no reason a man should be pulling no gun out on All right, well, listen, Meg, I hope your feet are great because, you know, them red bottoms will look real different. All right, well, um, Tori, I don't know where you at. You're still welcome on the show. Meg, you're still welcome to come on the show. Kanye, you're welcome tear to your come ass on the show. Up. Tori, you come on this show, 
You're a fucking lame. No, no, no. Listen, this is not a platform where we attack our guests. We don't do that. We're going to ask you difficult questions. They may be long questions. They may be big (laughs) questions. They may be hard questions, and they may pierce through your feet. I don't know. But anyway, this has been a great show. Damage, it's so good to see you. Yeah, yo, man, it's been a while. It feels good to be back. Yo, there was a lot to talk about today. And we didn't even get to everything, but it's cool. It's cool. Okay, okay, listen, on the next show, I'm going to talk about a personal journey that I've been going through. I'm going to get a lot more into uh, this new uh, emotional journey. I hope that you're here for it. I just want to say to everybody that's allowed me, Damage, Melissa, and all the other rotating co-hosts that are no longer here at the Hollywood Unlocked gravesite, <laughs> we appreciate that you keep fucking with us. And you know what? I do this show for the people that support us. I don't do the show for the people that don't. So if you don't support me, but you're still tuning in, thank you because we're getting paid. But if you're tuning in to hate me, you know, go fuck yourself uh, and don't get shot in the foot. All right. That's all I got to say. But uh, damage. I'll see you next show. Peace. Tell them out. Peace. What up, YouTube? Thank you for watching this reckless show. Yeah, and hit that subscribe button and don't forget to hit the notification bell. And also don't forget to share and leave a comment because we are reading.